Thanks to Grammarly for supporting Industry Focus. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to Grammarly.com slash fool to get 20% off a Grammarly premium account today. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today's Thursday, April 4th, and we're talking Southwest Airlines. I'm your host, Nick Seipel, and today I'm joined by Motley Fool contributor Adam Levine-Weinberg via Skype. How you doing, Adam? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, Adam. You know, this is uh, my first show that I've done with you. We're going to be talking about Southwest Airlines. I know you love talking about airline stocks, so so great to have you on today. Um, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about South, Southwest Airlines. As most of our listeners know, the air travel industry has been all over the news, particularly over the past uh, month in the aftermath of the Boeing 737, uh, the second Boeing 737 crash uh, back in March. As the largest 737 operator in the world with dozens of 737 MAX airplanes in its fleet, Southwest has been particularly affected uh, by, the, by the, uh, the, the shutdown of the 737 MAX. Before we dive into Southwest, though, Adam, uh, what's the current status of the 737 MAX investigation and aftermath just a little over a month after this first crash? What do we know about uh, the, the follow-up to the crash today? So, obviously, it's still a very fluid situation. Um, but what we know so far is that uh, Boeing, when it was trying to keep, uh, make it as close to the previous generations of the of this Boeing 737 as possible, um, so it did that by uh, trying to obviously make as few changes as possible. But one change that it had to make was put new engines on the plane, because that's where it's getting a lot of the fuel efficiency benefits on the 737 Max. Now the new engines are quite a bit larger which meant that you had to change the placement of them. And as a result, uh, Boeing found that the new version of the 737 MAX was more prone to a stall, which is basically uh, when the plane is not going fast enough relative to uh, the angle that it's facing. And so that uh, a stall is very dangerous and could lead to a crash because it's hard to uh, pull out of that situation. And so Boeing put software on the plane that was supposed to avoid this problem by aggressively tilting the nose down on airplanes when uh, if it, there was a sensor that was showing that the nose was pointed too far up. So if you just imagine um, how much power a plane needs to climb, it's, it's more than if it's in level flight or if it's to, um, in a descent. So the idea was you'd get the plane going faster by pointing the nose down. Um, the problem uh, has been that the sensor uh, doesn't always give a correct reading uh, for one reason or another, and so that caused a, a Lion Air plane to crash in late October. Uh, after that happened, Boeing provided some uh, updates to pilots, reminding them of, of how this, of how the uh, systems are supposed to work and what they would need to do to uh, disable this automatic system if necessary. Uh, so they thought that the problem was basically fixed at that point. Uh, and then in March, we had this second crash um, by Ethiopian Airlines, uh, a very similar situation with a 737 and MAX 8 uh, crashing just a few minutes after takeoff. Um, so that's brought a lot of scrutiny on Boeing, and it ultimately caused uh, uh, a bunch of aviation authorities around the world to ground the 737 MAX until a definitive solution has been found, um, which is going to involve uh, some software changes as well as uh, additional sensors on the plane to help pilots understand uh, whether the sensors are functioning properly. Sure, and and you know, Adam, a- as you mentioned, Boeing had introduced after the first crash some procedures that pilots should follow 
uh, uh, you know, if you have an issue with this anti-stall device. And what we're seeing from the early reports out of uh, out of the investigation of this uh, Ethiopian Airlines crash is that those those pilots actually had followed those procedures. So that uh, again is additionally concerning that the Boeing needs to go revisit, uh, you know, how we're going to handle uh, the software. Um, do we have any idea, or is it just kind of developing you know, how long this this uh, uncertainty around the Max may may play out, or or is it just you know we'll wait and see at this point? So uh, Boeing actually did a test flight uh, just this week um, with the new uh, software changes that it's proposed. So it's it's definitely going to be a, a somewhat slow process because Boeing still needs to verify all the data, um, make sure that the fixes that it's planning are going to work. And then once it's done that, then it gets handed off to the FAA and to other aviation safety regulating organizations around the world. Uh, and just given the scrutiny that um, both Boeing and the aviation safety community is under right now, I think it's fair to expect at least a month, maybe two months of testing. Uh, and then if all goes well, at that point, you could see the FAA and, and other countries uh, start to lift the grounding of the Boeing 737 MAX. Sure. And so, so obviously, you know, with the grounding of the MAX looking to be prolonging, you know, at least for the coming weeks and maybe a couple of months, uh, you know, airlines that operate this, this aircraft are going to be in a state of flux moving forward. And Southwest, as we mentioned off the top of the show, is one of the airlines that is most particularly exposed to the 737 MAX grounding. Uh, in relation to that, just last week, the company cut its first quarter guidance partially related uh, to those issues. Adam, can you give us any of the details behind what was behind that guidance cut and uh, what, what Southwest management is telling us about what's going on with the company right now? Yeah, so Southwest is the the biggest 737 operator in the world. It's got more than 750 uh, Boeing 737s in its fleet. Now, right now, most of those are the older generation of of Boeing 737, which was built between 1997 uh, up until this year. Um, But Southwest does have 34 737 MAX 8s in its fleet. So it's a little bit, it's between 4% and 5% of its total aircraft fleet, um, which is definitely significant. Um, The the airline has some flexibility to get by with having a few aircraft out of service, but with 34 aircraft out of service for that long, uh, there's no way for the airline to run the full schedule that it had intended to be flying uh, during the spring. Um, so when you have a big grounding like that, uh, you have less capacity, um, but the costs are, are somewhat fixed. So that uh, definitely puts pressure on profitability. Uh, on top of that, Southwest has put had to put these aircraft into storage to make sure that um, nothing happens to them uh, to impact their airworthiness. And so, while not very expensive, that does cost something to keep those aircraft parked um, in the desert uh, for several months at least. Um, so, if you look at the guidance, uh, Southwest uh, lowered its re- unit revenue guidance uh because of the grounding. And, and the main reason here is that it's had to count, cancel so many flights uh, over the past month or so. The problem for Southwest was that it was already facing a, a pretty big spike in cancellations, both because of some bad winter weather uh, in February and, and into March, as well as a dispute with uh, its maintenance workers that sort of spilled out into the open in February, led to a lot of cancellations as maintenance workers seemed to be writing up more tickets for uh, items that needed to be addressed than usual, which meant they had to pull more planes out of service. So between those three items, the bad weather, the maintenance cancellations, and now the 737 MAX grounding, Southwest Airlines canceled 9,400 flights 
uh, between mid-February and the end of March. And that compares to about 4,000 flights a day. So it's like losing uh, more than two days of service over the course of a month and a half. Um, so that's been pretty um, caused a pretty big revenue impact. I think the company said it was going to be about $150 million for the first quarter uh, and also caused some cost increases. And so uh, as a result, the estimates of Southwest profitability for the first quarter had to come down quite a bit. Sure, Adam. And, and as we see, you know, the first quarter profitability coming down, you know, you mentioned that the costs are going to remain fixed for, you know, keeping these airplanes as part of your fleet, even though they can't fly. Uh, is this more just, I mean, these profits are going to be lost for Southwest. Obviously, you know, you can't fly these flights that, that, that have been canceled. Um, but it, it, outside of this near-term impact that they're not going to be able to fly these flights and are going to take, take some near-term uh, expenses, it, does this affect Southwest's long-term plans uh, for how, the, how they're putting together their, their fleet moving forward when it comes to the 737 or uh, when it comes to you know, continued investment in its, in its business? Uh, is this going to be a single quarter problem or are we going to see the impacts uh, of this, this grounding kind of play out over several quarters into Southwest business? Well, that's a great question. Uh, it's hard to know at this point. Um, what we can say is that uh, Southwest Airlines definitely uh, relies on the Boeing 737, and it's that's the only plane really that Southwest has ever flown in uh, nearly 50 years of service. So it's a it's a type of plane that Southwest is very comfortable with. Um, is very much committed to. Uh, Southwest has uh, more than 200 orders um, for the 737 Max. Uh, 41 coming actually just this year. Uh, and then hundreds uh, coming over the next six, seven years or so. And it's likely to order even more beyond that. Um, for Southwest Airlines, the, the cost savings of operating a single fleet type are really quite substantial. And, and so the CEO, Gary Kelly, has made it pretty clear that uh, while he's in charge, he doesn't see Southwest, he doesn't see any chance of Southwest um, even trying a different type of plane in its fleet. Um, so the question then is, is how long does the 737 MAX stay grounded? Uh, and so it probably is, you know, a, a two, maybe three quarter event. It's really hard to know uh, for sure, just because uh, safety comes first, and so the plane's not getting back in the air until the regulators are very satisfied that uh, it's going to be safe to fly. But I think it's it's reasonable to expect that uh, most likely around the summertime is when the 737 Max fleet would likely be back in service. And I would think that any financial headwinds to Southwest. Are likely to uh, to calm down pretty quickly, starting at that point. Sure, yeah. So it's, it's something that's going to be you know kind of touch and go for management as we see how how regulators handle handle this you know this latest crash and the developments you know moving forward. As you mentioned, you know uh, to date operating out off of off of one aircraft has really been a huge advantage to Southwest. All their pilots know uh, you know how to fly every aircraft craft in the fleet, so that gives them lots of flexibility. Uh, but, but as you mentioned, when something like this happens that's particular to one model of aircraft, it also gives them outsized exposure there. Um, I'll tell you, for me as an investor, I'll take those upsides and the good times for the rare occurrences like this. I mean, how often do you see a plane crash these days? It's really such such a such a safe way to travel. Uh, um, I, you know, I, I think Southwest 737 strategy uh, is going to continue to be to be advantageous for them moving forward, uh, despite this near-term headwinds. What, what do you think about that, Adam? Yeah, I definitely agree. It's certainly uh, a, a calculated risk to rely on a single fleet type, um, but it's it's definitely a strategy that Southwest really was the pioneer of. Um, it wasn't so common back in the 70s when Southwest started doing this, but now it's really common, uh, and it's been quite successful. And so, obviously, airlines that have a single fleet type and only use Airbus A320s 
are in great shape because they have no impact whatsoever. So there's there's obviously going to be um, some risk no matter what you choose to do. Um, operating with a single fleet type tends to be uh, the better solution for airlines um, that have a kind of uh, simple network. Obviously, for an airline like uh, American Airlines, which is flying all around the world, you know, one single plane is not going to be the right type to both fly from New York to London and also to fly from Chicago to Ithaca or something like that. So for for airlines like Southwest that have a, a simple business model, uh, it's really powerful to have just the single single type of plane. Um, the bigger question maybe in the future is, is um, is it worth it to be the, the launch operator for a new aircraft type as Southwest was with the 737 MAX? Um, and the answer is probably still yes. Um, new planes have more of a tendency for things to go wrong. Um, but there's a reason why large, highly profitable, stable airlines like Southwest are typically chosen to, to be the first to get the planes because they can absorb the, the financial hit and they get compensated for that by getting uh, very big discounts on getting the new planes compared to uh, your typical smaller airline that might be getting the plane a little later on. Sure. Yeah, the, the 737 Max story and ha- its effects on Southwest for any shareholder in Southwest or someone thinking about investing, definitely going to be a story to continue to follow. Uh, you know, really thanks so much, Adam, for laying it out. On the back half of the show, we're going to talk about some new routes that Southwest is flying to Hawaii and how those might affect their business. But first. Thanks to Grammarly for supporting Industry Focus. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. They encourage everyone, even the best students and top professionals, to use Grammarly to do their best work and accomplish even more of their goals. They help people show their best self through writing and are available across platforms, including online browser extensions, desktop editor, and mobile keyboard checker. Their free product reviews critical spelling and grammar, while Grammarly Premium looks out for spelling, grammar, plus advanced punctuation, structure, style within context, vocabulary suggestions, conciseness, and readability for different occasions. I often use Grammarly when I'm looking for the right word or just can't figure out why a sentence doesn't seem to sound right. It's easy and it only takes a few seconds to use. Go to Grammarly.com fool to get 20% off your Grammarly Premium account today. That's Grammarly.com fool for 20% off your Grammarly Premium account. Okay, Adam, we spent the first half of the show breaking down the 737 MAX and and its effects on Southwest. But believe it or not, there's other things going on with airlines right now, Uh, specifically with Southwest. uh, Southwest announced that it's going to expand its routes by adding flights to Hawaii. What do these new routes mean for the company, and what do we know about uh, what Southwest is doing with these routes today? Yeah, so there's been a lot of speculation about Southwest Airlines flying to Hawaii for many, many years, and Southwest first confirmed the speculation in October of 2017. At that point, it said that it was planning to start flights to Hawaii from California, uh, and it didn't provide much further detail beyond that. Now, in order to fly to Hawaii, it's about a 2,500-mile flight from the West Coast, and so Southwest doesn't have routes uh, that are that far from, uh, from other airports right now, and that requires an additional certification for its planes, um, certify them to be able to fly, uh, you know, more than an hour and a half from uh, a diversion airport. So Southwest had to work through that process, which typically takes at least a year. And so it finally got towards the end of uh, it's called the ETOPS certification process uh, in late 2018, and then the government shutdown hit. And so Southwest thought it was about to be able to begin ticket sales. And then it had a five-week delay, 
uh, in being able to, to complete its testing process. So once the government reopened uh, in late January and the FAA got back to work, Southwest Airlines finished the process, uh, got its certifications, uh, launched some test flights, and then had a big sale in early March uh, to start filling up its first flights to Hawaii. The first flight went from Oakland to Honolulu on March 17th. And uh, uh, over the next several months or so, uh, Southwest Airlines is going to be adding additional routes from Oakland to Maui, from San Jose to Honolulu and Maui, and then also some inter-island routes within Hawaii. Uh, and then at some point in the future that hasn't been set yet, Southwest also plans to add some additional routes from the mainland, particularly from San Diego and Sacramento into Hawaii. Yeah, and Adam, uh, so so we're really talking in two buckets when we're talking about Hawaii, and I kind of want to break this apart maybe about how the economics work and, and how, how Southwest is thinking about them. So you have this long leg flight from California to Hawaii, which which is there, there are several competitors going on in that market today. Hawaiian Airlines is the biggest one. And then you have these inter-island flights, so hopping hopping from island to island. And to date, Hawaiian Airlines has basically had a monopoly on those flights, and, and the Southwest will be one of, one of the first competitors to go in. So, so when we look at the opportunity for Southwest in these flights to Hawaii, both the, both the long-haul route from the mainland as well as these, these inter-island flights, how, how should we think about that opportunity for Southwest and, and I guess, how big that opportunity can be o- over time for them uh, and how much it may be able to affect their business? Yeah, so if we start with the, the overseas flights from uh, the West Coast to Hawaii, uh, there's definitely a few uh, big advantages for Southwest in flying to Hawaii. So the first is that Southwest has a huge built-in customer base throughout the United States uh, and particularly on the West Coast. It's the top airline in California, has more flights within the state of California than any other carrier. So there are already a lot of customers that fly Southwest frequently in California, and many of these people are already going to Hawaii, and up until now they've had to go with a different airline. So that's a clear opportunity to win that business um, and to uh, better serve those travelers. A second uh, sort of related issue is that uh, a lot of people um, will sign up for Southwest Airlines credit card, um, which is quite lucrative to the company, if they know they can use the rewards points for uh, an experience that they uh, are looking for. So being able to fly to a really trendy destination like Hawaii um, could certainly help Southwest Airlines by getting more people to sign up for that Rapid Rewards credit card and uh, using it to accumulate points and then eventually use the points uh, for a Southwest Airlines flight to Hawaii. Um, it's also just, frankly, a very big market, uh, the, the West Coast Hawaii travel market. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of flights a day uh, from many different cities along the West Coast uh, on many different airlines to Hawaii. And Southwest Airlines is, is definitely looking to grow. And so this is a really uh, great opportunity to put a lot of uh, additional airplanes to work. Um, looking now into the inter-island market, as you mentioned, it's really a, a Hawaiian Airlines monopoly right now. Um, that hasn't always been the case. There have been competitors in the past, but Hawaiian Airlines has essentially chased them out of the market. And so the other question is whether Southwest Airlines, um, being a national carrier, having a low cost structure, and then offering these uh, these goodies like free checked bags, uh, open seating policy, also having no change fees, is that a combination of, of, of those features and low prices, is that enough to get uh, customers to switch their loyalty and start flying Southwest? rather than Hawaiian Airlines within the state of Hawaii. And uh, we'll just have to see whether that works. It's certainly 
um, been a type of business that's been successful for Southwest. Um, the airline actually started with um, very short haul flights within the state of Texas between Austin, Dallas, and Houston. Um, and so it's pretty similar actually to be flying between the different islands in Hawaii. They're, they're short distances, but there's a lot of people traveling. So it's an area where Southwest Airlines um, could have success. But uh, if you look at Hawaiian Airlines' position in Hawaii, uh, the carrier has um, somewhere between 180 and 200 daily flights between the islands. So it's really a very substantial presence um, on some of these routes. Hawaiian Airlines is flying 20 uh, or even more than 25 times a day. So that could be a flight every half hour, whereas Southwest Airlines um, can't get started with quite so many flights. And so that'll just be a question of whether um, the additional schedule flexibility that Hawaiian Airlines has, is that a, a com- competitive advantage that Southwest Airlines can't overcome? Uh, or are people willing to be more flexible on what time they travel in order to get a lower fare or get free check bags or um, something of that sort? If you look at the um, West Coast Hawaii market, the risks are a little bit different. Um, in that market, it's uh, much more competitive than flying within Hawaii. There are already uh, five airlines that fly frequently between the West Coast and Hawaii. And so the fares um, really aren't that high even before Southwest coming into the market. So um, while uh, consumers certainly expect lower prices with Southwest Airlines being a factor, uh, it may not actually have as much room to undercut other airlines as it has had uh, in some other markets it has entered where the prices were higher to start out with. Um, Southwest also doesn't have the same kind of amenities as other airlines. It doesn't have extra legroom seats. It doesn't even serve meals on its flights, uh, which is a you know could be a disadvantage for people when they're flying five or six hours. Um, Hawaiian Airlines, for example, actually still offers free meals and coach, which is um, really quite a rarity in the airline industry today. Yeah, so so really good job, I think, Adam, laying out the competitive dynamics there as we look. Uh, you know, in Hawaii, I guess the advantage that, that Southwest is going to be looking for is on price. You know, versus versus uh, Hawaiian Airlines is going to have the advantage when it comes to convenience of getting your flights off. And again, again, just likewise on that long haul route, uh, Southwest is going to be competing on price again. Uh, but if, if you're a traveler who wants to have the five star vacation, fly first class both ways, and uh, and get the, get the luxury treatment, Southwest is probably not going to win that customer. But uh, it's going to be as Southwest moves into this more uh, you know vacation oriented traveler. It's going to be interesting to see how how they fit in uh, to the competitive landscape. Um, Adam, kind of kind of zooming out, we've talked about some things going on with Southwest Business, both their new routes to Hawaii as well as what's going on with the 737 Max plane. You know, as we look at Southwest stock today, uh, is it a buy today? It just came off uh, one of its best years ever when it came to uh, to many of its operating metrics, but there is some near-term uncertainty as we laid off in the front half of the show uh, with the 737 Max. Uh, you know, as you look at this stock today, do you think it's a buy, or should investors be be waiting and see? So I would say that Southwest Airlines does look like a good buy right now. Uh, for one thing, the stock is extremely cheap. Um, Southwest Airlines stock trades for about 10 times uh, its 2018 free cash flow, which is really um, quite quite low considering how uh, strong its balance sheet is, uh, how significant its growth opportunities are, and how high its profit margin is. It's really a, a strong, stable, and growing company. And uh, businesses like that usually trade for a premium whereas uh, Southwest Airlines is really trading at quite a big discount relative to the rest of the market. Um, There obviously have been some headwinds, um, but there's also uh, a good amount of 
reason to be hopeful that those headwinds are going to fade even within just a few months. So for one thing, the maintenance-related cancellations, which I mentioned earlier, um, related to uh, a dispute with the uh, maintenance personnel. And Southwest Airlines actually recently agreed on a tentative agreement for a new contract with its uh, mechanics union. So that's really good news. Obviously, it hasn't been uh, ratified by the membership yet, but there's a pretty good reason to hope that it will be, and that should settle one of the biggest labor disputes that's been going on at Southwest Airlines in recent years, and hopefully get the carrier back to uh, what's been more typical over the years of having pretty good labor relations. The second thing, obviously, is the 737 MAX, and uh, Boeing has proposed its software fix. Um, It's done a test flight now. Uh, It's still refining uh, the exact changes, but it's probably going to be submitting that fix to the FAA within the next few weeks. Uh, And so that gives a pretty good chance that by June or July, perhaps, the 737 MAX will be back in the air. And uh, once those headwinds are gone, Southwest Airlines um, does have a good chance to return to uh, pretty significant profit growth. I, I should mention that the the airline, as part of its guidance update that came out in uh, late March, said that while the first quarter was going worse than expected, it, it still was seeing very strong bookings and uh, was expecting high unit revenue growth for the second quarter. So it certainly seems like uh, customers haven't been chased away by fear about the 737 MAX um, at Southwest Airlines. Sure, yeah. And we've also we've also seen, too, you know, I, I would hate when we're talking about whether Southwest is a buy, I, you know, I, I'm... I would hate not to mention the rumors that uh, Warren Buffett and Berkshire uh, may be exploring buying an airline. Uh, Southwest has been part of those rumors. I believe in late February, the shares got a little bit of a pop uh, on rumors that uh, you know uh, Berkshire and uh, uh, Mr. Buffett were, were exploring buying the airline. Uh, again, you know uh, the business is coming off one at one of its greatest years. There's some near-term uncertainty. We have the Oracle of Omaha. Taking a close look at buying the business, I, I, I think it's something that, that belongs on folks' radar. Uh, when you look at this Berkshire uh, uh, speculation, Adam, uh, what are your thoughts on it, uh, or do you have any thoughts about uh, about the rumors circling around with regard to Southwest and Berkshire? Yeah, it's definitely an interesting rumor. Uh, it's definitely an interesting possibility because uh, obviously Berkshire Hathaway has gotten involved in the transportation sector before. Um, Buffett, of course, for many, many years, hated the airlines. He uh, had a bad investment in U.S. Air back in the 1990s, and after that, he sort of swore off investing in airlines for decades. But in the last couple of years, he's sort of changed his mind again. And uh, the main reason is that there's a lot less competition. Um, it's more of a rational industry structure um, for the airlines now. There's really four, four big airlines and then a, f- a few smaller ones competing in the United States. Um, whereas there were at least a dozen major airlines, uh, all in a very cutthroat competitive situation if you look back about 20 years. Um, so for that reason, uh, I do think there's there's reason for Buffett to be interested in Southwest Airlines. And uh, he's been very clear in the past year or two that he would like to make a big acquisition at Berkshire Hathaway. And it's just a, a matter of, uh, first, finding the right fit. And then second, finding a business that's not horribly overpriced, um, because a lot of the the stocks he's looking at are quite expensive just because the market has done so well over the last few years. Southwest Airlines, as I mentioned, it's trading for only 10 times free cash flow, so it's really um, quite inexpensive, um, and it's a very solid business. Uh, while Buffett has invested in several different airlines in recent years, uh, Southwest stands out. It has the highest margins by uh, a pretty significant margin, uh, as it mm-hmm. were. 
Uh, it's got a, an operating margin of about 15% in the last two years, uh, which is very good. Um, it also already has a strong balance sheet, so um, Buffett wouldn't have to take on a lot of debt to buy the, um, to buy the company. Uh, and it's got a, a strong and entrenched management team that uh, has been there for uh, more than a decade. They know how to run the business. They've um, shown an ability to respond through events like the Great Recession, um, some of the oil price spikes we've had in the last uh, 10 to 15 years. And so it's definitely a business that uh, there's obviously no guarantee that, that uh, Buffett will go ahead and, and buy the company for Berkshire Hathaway, but uh, it's not, not a bad fit. Yeah, definitely a story we're going to continue watching for Southwest, uh, along with uh, the other stories we mentioned today. Uh, Adam, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really enjoyed having you on, and thanks for sharing all your uh, deep knowledge of the airlines uh, with our listeners. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the glass. For Adam Levine Weinberg, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening and full on.